into Edge of the Rabbit Hole. I'm author and ghost historian Mike Ricksecker. With me, as always, my co-host is Victoria Monday. And down in the chat room, quarantine ghosts haunting the chat. We have a fantastic show coming up for you tonight. Alexandra Holzer is back in the house. So second season of Holzer Files is coming back here in a couple of days. Uh, we had uh, her and her mother on uh, earlier this year. And uh, I mean, it's always amazing to have Alex on the show. Uh, fantastic writer. Uh, of course, she has her legacy with her father, uh, Dr. Hans Holzer, and she is also a fantastic intuitive in her own right. So, Alex, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Victoria. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> so nice to meet you, finally. So, yes. <laughs> I, have to, I have to ask you, this has been on my mind here the past couple of days, since this is Boy, really right. our Halloween <laughs> show going into the holiday and so I've been wondering, how was Halloween in the Holzer household? Because uh, it seems to me your your life must have been almost like Halloween every day growing up. Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, Count Dracula is a father. Pfft, no big deal. Um, yeah, you know, it was, it was funny because um, every year, obviously when I was of age to understand what All Hallows Eve meant, you know, I was that kid that kind of, took it to the next level and saying to my classmates, do you know what All Hallows Eve is? And I'm like, ew, get away, creepy kid. <laughs> Lovely. I had only two costumes growing up and I kid you not, I was either a devil or a witch. That was it. Oh, no wow. creativity there. So I dressed up, you know, um, growing up in Manhattan, either we were invited to our friends' houses to go trick-or-treating. What would happen is we go, well, what's your building like? What did the neighbors like there? Do they give out like lots of good candy? So we would kind of devise a plan until like our teenage years is to get the right building. And then one year we did ours because in our building, the Normandy took up two whole blocks. Ooh. So oh, we had like a plethora of apartments running through the middle of the lobby that connected the other building. And then we'd start on the other side. So it was like a whole day thing. By the oh, wow. time we were done. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, that, no no but it sounds like fun yeah <laughs> it was it was it was like our own little world and you know the doormen were great you know they were like oh little alex how cute off you go <laughs> you know with my cape flying in the wind that we created running through the lobby but um you know it really was surreal growing up that way because it's almost like in the ghostbusters film when you have that that building in central park west oh yeah it's yeah the two towers on top the water towers and it's the conjoined building that's the normandy People can oh. actually Google the Normandy building and they'll see what I'm talking about um, on Google Maps. It, it's that same kind of building. And so it was just really creepy. And then we had access to the roof, which we weren't supposed to. As I got older, they put the alarm pad on that door. So, you know, when you push the door, you, you couldn't do it anymore. But we had access for quite a long time. We'd go up there, we'd smoke cigarettes. Oh, forget about it. <laughs> and then had to go and ruin all the fun. So They did. <sighs> It happened. So, all right. So, a couple of days from now, it's October 29th, correct? Correct. Is the second season of Holzer Files. I know you probably can't tell us all the all the secrets uh, coming up here for the new season, but it, is there anything you can dish on season two? Well, I can tell you that um, season two is definitely going to be as promising as season one and maybe a little bit better. Um if, if you can imagine that only because maybe I'm biased because it's dad, but you know, he really is that anchor, you yeah. know, the holes are files. The files are the star of the show. And, um, it, it, there's so much work there to cover that season two continues that tradition in vain of my father's work with a fresh take on it and seeing what's going on today, you know, and, um, there's a lot of um, great evidence and captures and, um, historical findings and i just really feel that it's it's going to be just as endeared and liked as it was last season so i'm i'm excited and i think um the viewers are going to really enjoy it good good i'm really looking forward to it i did enjoy last season and something mm -hmm. that uh that i had really enjoyed uh and, and you know that i grew up on your father's work and you know every mm -hmm. episode that we have you on i have to show yankee ghost yankee <laughs> Wait, uh, wait, we, there's a there's a southern one I saw. There's a southern, southern ghost. ghost. Yes, southern thank ghost. you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Equal time. <laughs> but this had the story of uh of Oceanborn Mary in it and last season 
we got a whole bunch of new information about that case. So are we going to have similar type of things happen this season? Are we going to find out new information about classic cases like that? Absolutely. And, and that's the beauty of this type of a show is that um, with the locations that we're able to go back to, sometimes they lead us elsewhere, like in season one. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason for that, you know, over time, places change, people change hands of who owns what, and, and the stories might change over time as well. But you can keep going back as long as you have space in between and let things settle down. Energy is always shifting and changing anyway. And so to think if you if you go to a place that he researched and say, okay, case closed, I'll, you know, there are places like that, perhaps, you know, um, but there's always something else to find. You know, when we're so interested and in, in wanting to learn history of these places that he went to and the people that he had to deal with, you know, you're dealing with the time where he didn't have access to the internet. And um, so he was really kind of relying on the, the historical value from the local town librarians, if you will, documents, if there were any, and then he's got the transmedium that kicks in and has to be that other tool for him. It's a lot of work and a lot of research, whereas nowadays it's a little bit easier for us to, to find out what is what, you know? And so we can go and find out maybe something that he couldn't finish or that he didn't find out about because he didn't have the, the access back then. So it's, uh, it's like apples to oranges and it only enhances what he started. And in a lot of cases, it brings about more information. So. Yeah, I was really impressed last year. And, uh, my favorite parts really were those old clips of your father and working with the trans mediums. And, you know, those to me were the best parts of the show. It was just that, you know, the, the feeling of nostalgia and just, you know, seeing them at work because there's, you know, it, it's really different the way we do things these days. And I think in a lot of ways we need to, we need to learn from your father and, and go back to uh, some of those old methods. Absolutely. And I appreciate you saying that, you know, not everybody feels that way, which is fine. That's the way life goes, you know, but he was around during a time that many were not really doing what he was doing. You know, he kind of, you know, which is what the Holzer method is. He was bridging that gap. You know, don't forget, he started out as a skeptic journalist, always asking and always trying to get information. And he always said, always question everything because you don't know until you know. And even then, is there something else missing? So, you know, the audio alone of my father working, you know, that's what they did back then. They tape recorded their sessions, their clients, their potential clients, everything was recorded and then transcribed into what later became his books. So he was very different than any investigator or researcher of the time that he was in and then his predecessors before him because he was able to have the ability and talent to be a prolific author. So these audio recordings were not, in his mind, I believe not to be used for, for something for film or TV. It was for research purposes so that he wouldn't miss that session and that information, which is why in a lot of his books, you have the transcripts of the sessions that took place with the medium. And then he was very um, systemic in trying to list, you know, what equipment he used, the time of day, the lighting, the elements, if you will, so on and so forth. It provides such a depth. I think a lot of people today are walking around um, with the light this up to, can you move it to a green light if you're here, but they don't have the depth and the history. Okay, sorry, but you know, <laughs> that's just one of my pet peeves. But you know, I mean, you need the depth to make it more real to, you know, to really get in behind and understand it. At least I think so. Well, you know, yeah. he wasn't trying, he wasn't looking for anything um, other than the research and how, how do we preserve the information. And mm -hmm. he knew after he wrote The Ghost Hunter, um, the first book was to carry on that tradition. And it just kept going from there. And of course, he wrote on different subject matter. He also wrote uh, fiction and poetry and a book on cats. You know, I mean, he just was a very, yes. He was Not cats, no. <laughs> And he even sketched the artwork. Oh, and, nice. Um, so there's that. But um, so 
you know, he just to me was a Renaissance man and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we have these figures in, in our history and, and in life, you know, people that are able to really tap into so many different things, which is why I think he's, he's misunderstood a lot of times. Mm -hmm. um, he's just not one thing that you can put into a neat little box and put up on the shelf and give him a label. Right. It wasn't that, that soul. So that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, Alex, you yourself, you're, you're a paranormal investigator. Um, you're also uh, an intuitive, and I don't know what term you actually use uh, for that side of yourself, which I don't think a lot of people really know. But you know, you can go on your website and actually, you know, get some, um, you know, some readings from you. So, how do you use uh, or integrate your father's work with what you do as an investigator and an intuitive? That's a good question. Um, obviously, I'm not my father. And even if I was a son versus a daughter, I still wouldn't be him because the whole function is to evolve. You know, we always want more for our own children when we have them. Our parents want more for us when they have us, yada, yada, yada. And um, I was always, you know, very sensitive as a child growing up. He always knew I was able to know things. I had precognitive awareness. Um, you know, uh, the family members around us were very psychic on both sides of the family. So, you know, I couldn't really escape what I was born into. And so I went away from it when I went to college and then I came back full circle to it because that's the way it goes. You can't run away from your path and your destiny. You either embrace it or you don't. It's still going to find you at some point. And so what I've done over the years and as I've gotten older is work more on ESP, which he tells me through the other side. Um, I need to work on my ESP and keep that strong because part of being an intuitive, which is what I call myself, an intuitive investigator, if you will. Um, okay, so I got it right. Is, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I, if I, I hate the word psychic because, you know, I agree with my father and, you know, we predict lottery numbers and stuff. I think psychic and then, you know, we've come a long way. We have, you know, hyphenated psychic medium now and all this stuff, whatever. I don't know. There's a ton of different terms out there these days. Right. Yeah. I can't. I'm very, I'm very simple and old school. And we all have the ability, and I've always said that throughout, you know, 15 years of doing this publicly, I've always said everybody has the ability to use their sixth sense. Whether or not in your incarnate you tap into it is really a big question mark mm -hmm. as to how that comes about. And sometimes it won't, and sometimes it will, and either early, middle, or late in life. So mm -hmm. what I try to adapt when I do my research is I do question everything. I do put on a skeptic hat first and foremost, A, because I want to protect myself and my environment and those that are in need, and B, then I can kind of put to the side all the things that I have questions on, and then I start to get to the meat and bones. So then I put on the other hat where I start to feel things, you see? Unlike my father until late in life, he worked with mediums, not in the beginning, mind you. He had to you know, evolve around that to incorporate that into what became the Holzer Method not just the academia of it or the science of it because he was a parapsychologist and they don't believe in the word ghosts. So um, I'm a little bit softer than he was in that sense. I was a lot more open earlier than he was. We have different lives, right. you know, so that's just natural. But I, I'm more of, a, of an endearing, compassionate individual in that sense. My sister's texting me, go away. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I tell you. And, um, but... You know, I just, I'm, I'm like a little copy of him, but also different. You know, there's a lot of my father in me as there is of my mother and the creative side as well. Um, but it's important to, to be who you are and true to yourself. And that's the evolution of what we're all supposed to be. So we're a little bit of our families and sometimes that's bad and sometimes it's good. Um, I always think what he would do or what he would say. And then other times I hear him guiding me and saying things that, you know, we're in dreams. He'll come and sit with me and we'll start talking. And I have to wake up. I have to wake up and pay attention. And sometimes I don't. So there's always work to be done. So, and that, you know, so I, you know, it's a complex layered question, but I, hopefully I answered it to some degree. <laughs> I think you did. <laughs> that was, uh, no, it's, it's definitely very interesting. And I think you're right that, um, you know, we are, you know, kind of a, some of you know the, the people we come from, but we are our own people as well. So, and um, I know that you know, especially with you know the the new show out, I think a lot of people you know kind of look at you as 
almost like you are an extension of your father and you're not, you are your own person. So mm -hmm. um, I, I wanted to make sure everybody realized that because you do actually conduct your own work and your own investigations and your own readings and, and all of that, which I think is absolutely Thank wonderful. You. Yeah. Yeah. You no, I appreciate that. Yeah. I know I'm not, I'm, I'm not just the daughter, you right. know, and that's right. okay. That's, that's a role that was given and I appreciate it. And I think it's great, you know, for what it is, but no, certainly. And I think that's a good general lesson and rule to learn for anybody. Don't assume when you see a product out there or somebody, there's more to that person. You know, sometimes we wear many different hats for different reasons, but you, you know, um, people are complex a lot of the times, you know, they're like an onion that you have to peel apart. So. I say that all the time. I'm just an onion. <laughs> just an onion and I hope I don't make you cry. I usually do. No. <laughs> Sorry. Um, we were talking before the show started about astrology and I was asking you, do you follow astrology? Cause 2020 has been one crazy year. Um, the, the stars are actually in the same position they were in 1776. And you were telling me something a little bit about your father. Right. So, um, now, I was saying that, you know, I used to follow astrology. I was one of those horoscope readers where I would flip through all the magazines and I'm like, yeah, that's not me. Next magazine. Okay, <laughs> that might be more like me. I'll keep that horoscope. Oh, I can't wait to share. Yay, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it'd be, and then when internet came out and then you'd be online and be looking for those. And then I stopped doing it because the horoscopes weren't really working. And why is that? Because they're subjective. They're too generic, you know. <laughs> um, I wised up to that. But there is something to be said about astrology. And, you know, my father was my influence for that department because he had colleagues that were astrologers, like for real, like they did it for real. And um, Lynn Palmer is one of them. She's actually in, in Vegas and she's still around. God bless her. She's in her 80s and she's quite the spitfire. She's still putting out <laughs> traditional books and they're not modernized. So when you look at it, you're like, oh my God, you could do the cover so much better. Don't even say it. Don't bother because God bless her for that. Because I missed the old stuff, to be honest with right. you. I think yeah. <laughs> everything new is not always the best. And Lynn um, was my father's go-to astrologer at times, you know, and from should he have a procedure done on this day to the point of where he started learning um, in life how to do tarot. Mm -hmm. So when I moved out of the house um, and I came back home for Sunday dinners, he would do my tarot card reading. So he became so proficient and understanding the cards and the different types of cards. There's not just one set, you know, mm -hmm. and he would do it. So if I was up for a job in Manhattan, um, after I had graduated college, you know, he'd say, yeah. And he'd read the cards. This, you're going to get the job. Alex is in the cards. It's facing you, the sports. Oh yeah. Yeah. You get job. So we would do this whole thing. And, um, before he had passed away, Lynn Palmer and I had connected and caught up because I was just a kid with these people around me. And then obviously since he's he's been gone in, of the physical world, Lynn and I have kept up with each other off and on. And she told me this really great story of how she got started. And um, she was talking about uh, this actor. Now, of course, it slips my mind, uh, Ryan O'Neill. Okay. So, in Manhattan, <laughs> so she's in her uh, apartment in Manhattan and this is before Ryan O'Neill was a, you know, a known actor. Mm -hmm. And he went to her um, because he was referred to her. And my those are the circles my father was in. It's really, you know, very bizarre. And so she said he walked into her apartment and she had um, interesting artwork on the wall. And he had made this remark about, you know, the artwork and stuff like that to her. And she just looked at him. Now, here's the funny thing. She's an astrologer, right? You can't have any psychic abilities to that because you're being labeled what you are. Bullshit. Right. <laughs> but come on, we all have the ability. Let's face it. Just because you're into something else is an extension of an extension of an extension. If you're more right. intuitive, then you're going to read on everything. So she looks at Ryan O'Neill and she's like, you are going to be a big star. And, um, you know, and he was, he became for the heyday, you know, he became very sought after, not, not shortly after she had met him. Um, and she did the reading for him and the cards and the whole thing. And um, I never forgot that story. It was just so endearing because I'm like, I know that guy, you know, <laughs> but it's, it's before they became kind of story. And it's such mm -hmm. a humbling thing because she wasn't looking for anything. 
he was very generous to her, you know, um, and appreciative of her, of her time with him. So, you know, it's old school stuff, but, um, my father was very well connected in that, in the arena with people. Sometimes old school is the best. I think I'm very retro, yeah. if you want to call it that. <laughs> I think it's great. Yeah. So we have a bunch of questions coming in from the chat room. We do want to get to some of these uh, from Sarah Youssef uh, for Alex. If there is a conflict between historical record and personal experience, which do you tend to go with? Well, here's the thing. It's a good question. Personal experience is subjective. Um, it is an opinion. It could be based on true experience where we might know a thing or two because we've gone through it and have had a similar occurrence and then historical information may not be accurate so you have to fact check both and so i would probably question both if i had um, no experience in an area and i have to go off the historical documents i would go and get the information historically but i would go and fact check that to beat it to death and then I would probably ask somebody to come in and if they've had an experience in that situation, I would lend to them as the expert in that area. And then I would combine the two and vice versa. That's what I would do. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, from all things exist, did your father use spiritual self-protection techniques? Yeah, he said, don't fuck with me or I don't talk to you. <laughs> How'd that work out? <laughs> No, really. He, he, none of this, you know, I, 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 none of that. No staging, no white candles. We burnt. I'll tell you what we did do is he had a lot of incense burning the little cone ones mm -hmm. that came in a little eight pack in the seventies. Okay. Yeah. Um, he burnt a lot of incense throughout my entire life that I was living with him in that apartment. Um, and of course, scent? huh? Do you have a favorite scent? See? Oh, you're burning I'm some just... right now. <laughs> what is it? Uh, yeah, um, I like the sage. Okay. I like the sage smell. It's not too too much. Um, there's vanilla is always lovely. But yeah, so he not no he was you know because he wasn't you know fear for him was just a word you know like we're emotional creatures by nature so you know we have emotions are fleeting. Well, fear is an emotion. Um, it's a reaction to something, but it, it go, comes and goes. And so he understood that early on in life and he had been through enough in his life and he was just of an awareness, I guess, not to, to be in that position. And so he didn't need any gadgets or things or just blessings or anything like that, which a lot of people do. That's great. Whatever works for you. But no, there was no thing. You know, he, he was, uh, I think he said a lot of things to himself before entering an environment. I do believe that he would say some kind of a prayer, um, okay. you know, uh, for safety, but he didn't make a big deal out of it. Yeah. So, and then, uh, here's an interesting one that, uh, actually is something I'm curious about. Uh, Alina, the fam, what did Hans believe or think about shadow people? Ah, shadow people. <laughs> you know, he said, that's just your sister going to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Alex, go back to sleep. <laughs> nobody there yeah um you know he didn't really think too much about them he felt that if if you saw a presence there you know shadow people really didn't come around till later on that mm -hmm. term if you will so if we would take it back when he had began actually in the late 1930s if you will um he would probably say it was a negative energy because he was all about you know if you look at aura and colorization mm -hmm. of what the soul might look like detached from the body and the body's no longer in existence, but the soul's still there kind of. It, it emulates a color and, and certain colors mean certain things. Um, if we go back into the orb debate, you know, certain orbs have faces in them and they look like this, but this one's yellow and happy. This one's angry and green, you know. Um, he would just consider it more of a negative energy that is in a place that it should not be and we need to find out why and either help it to understand that and move on if it's an intelligent haunting and if it doesn't want to leave, well, there's not much else we can do about it. You know, um, as in life, as in the afterlife and there in between, you can't make people and you can't make the afterlife do what they don't want to do. There is something called free will and it does continue on over. 
if you choose to be stubborn, which is what I believe a ghost is, stuck as a ghost is what I've always said for years now, and you don't want to hear the helper coming to say, it's time. <laughs> we need to move on. I'm going to sit here at this fucking bar and drink my fucking drink. Fuck you. Whoever you are from, wherever you came from. And off the angel goes. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. happened, I mean, I think it's it's a flipped universe of where we are here versus where we are there without the body. Yeah, okay. I'm not going on. I'm going to stay here. So I have a list of people. Uh -oh. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh -oh. Do you have that same opinion about shadow people? Who, me? No, Alex. No. <laughs> <laughs> huh. I'll ask you um, your opinion later, Victoria. Yeah, I must talk to you. No, just I'm, I'm just an onion. I don't know. <laughs> another layer. Okay. Well, because the question was directed, what would your father say? But I'm interested what your opinion is on the matter. Who, me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's the Mandela effect. Okay, so here's the thing. I I don't discount people's experiences um, saying that they've seen things that they could report as that term. Terminology is a very dangerous thing over the past decade and then some. And the reason why is because once you put it out there, like with the hashtag, which is actually a musical symbol, but we won't go there. Um, <laughs> once you put it out there, um, People take it a, a life of its own. They give it life, you know, and it gets very dangerous because now all of a sudden it's got to be this or it's got to be that. I think generally a lot of people have these encounters and experiences in situations where there's a lot of bad energy. We are made of energy just because the physical body contains it. Once the body's gone, that energy does disperse elsewhere. And sometimes it's here and sometimes it's there and sometimes it's further out this way. It could be good or it could be bad. And so I think that's where that color, that that black darkness comes in because it's it's negative. And you think about it in in you know um, plain English, black and white, negative, positive, you know, electrical. Look at a battery, plus sign, negative sign. It's all you know. So I don't discount or discredit people who've had experiences or have taken amazing photography on that. That can be proven that it wasn't you know uh, messed around with, if you will, apps nowadays and all that stuff or actual film. That is is what it is. I just wouldn't put a term to it. I would say there's something here. It if and here comes the intuition. It feels bad. You don't have to be a psychic. You don't have to be on TV. You don't have to be this big person in life. You are you are a big person. All of us are wonderful people that are doing good in this world, right? So if they put the intuition to it and they have a, a photo of this thing in the corner and it looks like a shadow, of course I get where the term comes from, but I don't think that that's going to classify what it is yet there's so much that you would have to find out about it what is it who is it is it more than one where did it come from what if it's another life form from a, a distant planet an extraterrestrial yeah right i mean listen i'm going into crater theory lately so that's a whole nother show but <laughs> you know if what if it's from here like don't forget esp is a very strong form of communication with all life forms animals other beings and those that have died and they've stuck around so i i think it's jumping the gun to label stuff like that fair enough no and and i agree with you that you know just because you see something doesn't mean you immediately understand what that is and it's going to take many times maybe going back investigating several times to be able to figure out absolutely what exactly that is um let's see so murtaza has a three-part question let me try to put that Wait. i'll put that together here <laughs> when we have one of our other little interludes here so let me skip down to i have been replaced i see <laughs> victoria who? Well, victoria if you have a question go ahead no no i mean in the chat no <laughs> oh yeah no. you, you would always throw some questions down there for sure yeah, my 15-part question yeah <laughs> oh no, no 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 <laughs> that's why i'm saying i've been replaced in chat that's fine. <laughs> um, let's see. TFT Tarot for today. Uh, well, uh, did you ever meet Sybil Leak or have any memories or conversations with her? I remember um, her voice in the apartment. Um, very interesting sounding voice with a very heavy accent. <laughs> I can't do her accent, so... 
Um, I do the I do the Austrian Dracula, but um, you know she she had she had you know her dialect, you know, so she was very heavy set and very um, powerful energy. Do you know what I mean? So if she walked into the apartment, it was like you knew Sybil was there. And it's funny because my mother, you know, did a lot of work with her and my father when she worked with my father. And the stories that, you know, as I had gotten older and I heard about them, I mean, I'd crack up because as a kid, you see people differently that come in and out of your life. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, as you get older, you're like, that's Sybil? Wow. And then, you know, to hear her voice on the recordings, I mean, I have a little cassette tapes, obviously, of her and, and my father and other people that she did, you know, work with. But it's, it's almost like you forget what they sound like. And then when you hear them later on, it's like, that's them. You know, you, you, you just forget you lose sense, but she was such a powerful energy. I mean, she really was not one to fuck around with, pardon my French. Um, she was very strong, very, very much da, da, da. But you know, she signed up to work with my father because it was an experiment, if you will. He was looking towards these, these women and men, Philip Solomon in Wolverhampton in the UK is another one that he worked with as well. It's not a gender thing, you know, um, but, um, he, he told them, you know, I, I need to try this. We need to try this, you know? And so they wanted to expand on their abilities. And through my father had the opportunity to go into certain places and deal with certain people and other things to work on that. Because the more we do it, the more we learn. And so Sybil was, you know, I think they had an interesting partnership at times I think she wanted to do her own thing as well and I can understand that and I think my father was very headstrong on how he saw things you know that's just who he was so but yeah no she was definitely quite the character and the fact that she brought her pet snake along in Europe when they were <laughs> out there working and left it in the tub for my mother to walk into the bathroom my mother wow. looks as she <laughs> used the bathroom right and there's this my mom's like, oh my god! <laughs> so, you've always had crazy Sorry. stories like that. <laughs> it's like, Hans, there's a snake in our bathroom. Oh yeah, yeah, that's probably Sybil's snake. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Who does that? So, when your um, family had friends over, um, did they send you away to your bedroom and you you would listen at the door, or was it just like, okay, good night, see you later? Oh no, I wasn't that lucky, my darling. <laughs> No, 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 no. It was, Alex, we have company. You're coming out to say hello, right? Okay. Um, no. in my, and let me tell you something with my sister. So she's eight years older than I am. And because she was able to be the teenager first and the young adult first, she was always having excuses to not be in the apartment. So it's not like he could go and pull her out. She was so not into this. She didn't want to know anything. So no, I got the on the door, my bedroom door. And he'd say, so-and-so is coming over, this person, that person, this. I've got the whole roster, the whole freaking roster. And I'm like, it's eight o'clock at night. I want to watch reruns of Scooby-Doo. Leave me the F alone. I don't want to do this. But I did, because I was a good kid and I didn't want to disappoint anybody, especially not my father. So I'd come out and I'd sit there in my freaking pajamas, mind you. <laughs> I can't even, I think the fashion was like stripes and that was it. So. I sat there and I'm like, you know, and all these interesting characters were there. Um, some were dressed in the, the atypical long gowns, jewelry and uh, symbolism. And they'd all look at me like, hello, hello, <laughs> Hans's daughter. Aren't you a pretty little thing? Come sit. Now, and, th and these were just the ghosts, right? What? <laughs> so no, these, these are, are not the ghosts. ghosts. I wish they were because then I could say shoo, goodbye. No, they actually had to physically leave and they were just getting there. So that wasn't happening for like five hours. And um, you know, if I nowadays if that was our kids, I would never let somebody coming in and saying, I am a bitch, I'm coming to sit and read your palm, you know, get the fuck out of here, really? But as a kid back in the seventies and eighties, it was normal. You see, I'm so. seeing I'm seeing Rosemary's baby as you're talking about this. I mean, you oh, people are well, no, I mean New York. They're all dressed up really nice. I'm like, what? What does this symbol mean? I don't know. I'm a little kid. It, okay. Let me tell you, it was it was <laughs> interesting. Coffee would be brewing. 
They chose, my father did not drink a drop of alcohol. I, I promise you, he didn't smoke. He became from a vegetarian as a teenager into veganism as a young man in his 20s. And But if they wanted to have a cigarette or something, they'd have to leave the room. Um, and if they wanted alcohol, he would try to, you know, get wine and things like that. And when my mother and father were still together, you know, she was great like that. She was, she'd play hostess beautifully, my mother, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so she would take care of that. But when they got divorced, it kind of dwindled down to, Alex, does this look good, this shirt and these pants? And I'd say, Daddy, you're not freaking matching. Brown and blue, too? <laughs> Ew! What time are they coming? Five minutes? Now you ask? <laughs> so it became, that's how our relationship evolved from that. I became kind of like the little woman of the house to try to help him, you know? So oh, that's, that's nice. So <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> no, I, I just always love the stories and the, the accents, and yeah, I get a kick out of that every time. You know, snake in the bathtub. And I have a visual going on while y'all are talking, so right. this is great. You can't <laughs> shit up. I'm telling you, you just can't. You what know? kind it's... of snake was it? A big snake? I don't. I'm. I don't even care. I don't want to know. <laughs> don't want to know. Well, I remember I the last time we it. had you on with your mother. It was all about the crazy car trips. <laughs> oh, oh, those were really bad. Uh, they sounded like I was about to say they sounded like a trip. Listen, listen. <laughs> we can't. <laughs> In our family, you know, they, they, they do a nice thing to go back to, to Austria, my father's country, and they, they buy an old rundown farmhouse that's freaking haunted. My grandmother's apartment in Long Island that I go stay with at the during the summers is freaking haunted. So it's like we can't get away. So in the car, you think it's any better? Absolutely not. <laughs> I think I was having voices coming at me. So we had um, the station wagon Mazda version and... Um, my sister wanted a blue car and I picked olive green. I was 12 in my defense, honestly, <laughs> I didn't understand. And so here's, here's the funny thing that starts with car stories is, um, uh, in Manhattan, they had a loading dock on the, one of the piers and they were bringing in the cars. True story. This is what my mother told me. And my sister got her choice. So they had found a blue car. I think it was like a Volvo or something like that. It actually went into the Hudson River. Oh. They had dropped the shipment. The, I think one of the, the the chains had broken or something like that. And it went right into the river. So my mother, I said, where's the new car? Because we would go away at times and, you know, for the weekend. And she said, well, Alex, I guess we get the green car. And she went to a dealership and got it that way and said, we're not doing this, this transport because it was cheaper to have it. Um, over the boat to have it come. I don't know. It was a whole thing back then. This is in the seventies. So I got the green car and it was a Mazda station wagon and I was in the hatchback. So I was able to sit in the back and my father would be in the front. He refused to drive. He refused to learn to drive and we'd be going away for the weekend and we'd rent houses in Delaware and um, Long Island and what have you. And um, he'd start yelling at my mother, Catherine, Turn off the air conditioning. I'm going to get sick. <laughs> I'm going to get cold air. It's going to make me have a cold. And this is how it began. And then my sister would be with me. We'd be sitting and we'd be chewing gum like cows. You know, what else is there to do? Right. No internet, <laughs> folks. Nothing. And um, then we'd get the gum. We'd stick the gum in the tray because my father would be like, you're chewing too loudly. Shh, back there. So my sister and I would look at each other like, Okay. And then the gum would get stuck in the tray. And then when we got back after our weekend back to Manhattan, my mother would have to go two blocks away from the building to garage the car because you don't park on the street in Manhattan. Right. Try not to. Mm -mm. So they would park it in the garage. They could afford it. Good for them back then. And then she would go and do the lecture. Who put the gum in the car in the ashtray? <laughs> what did I say? And I'm like, daddy said not to chew. What do you want? So there's that whole thing just to get to where we were going over the weekend and things always happen you know with my father around it was always like nothing could be peaceful it sounds like it was always an adventure with him <laughs> oh you just you didn't want to get into, it was to a point you didn't want to get into the car with him and actually one of his mediums um and i know you have another question but one of his mediums marissa anderson who i actually still work with and she's still around and quite vibrant god mm -hmm. bless her yeah we've had her she's on the show yeah. yes so, um, you know, she, she tells me a funny story. So one night I was filming a um, sizzle reel 
at my apartment, which I have up on my Twitter account. You see that first clip is uh, is a part of that that trailer that I okay. thought was great, and it's it's my home, and I wanted to share it with everybody. And it's just a little clip of the of the reel, and um, so she has this like little Jeep where you can fold the cover down. So when the wind goes, it's like flap, 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 flap. Okay. <laughs> really don't like that. But anyway, um, so I'm trying to get in her fucking Jeep because she's like, I'm going to take you to, you know, you know, your dad's apartment. I'll give you the ride and we're going to get this thing done. Cause I pulled her into this as my medium, just like my father. How funny. Right. So I said, Marissa, I can't get in, up in this fucking Jeep. What is this? It's like 20 <laughs> feet tall. So she says, Oh my God, you should have seen your father. One time I had to pick him up. He couldn't get in here to save his life. It was the funniest thing. He was like, oh, I can't get in. And then he had a panic attack. I can't get oh, in no. the fucking car. I'm, I can't go. He would just freak out. At least I got in. <laughs> <laughs> so you got that him. going for you. You could get it. So uh, we have an interesting question here, uh, Murtaza Arif's question. Uh, instead of reading all three parts, basically, I'll just kind of cut to the chase on this, uh, which is, and Murtaza, thank you for the uh, question. You always have good ones. Um, what do you think about dream visitations, loved ones coming into dreams? Are they real visitations or just dreams? It's a really great question because what our perception is when we wake up that next morning or maybe it's, you know, in the wee hours and we fall back asleep and then the dream comes. Have you ever noticed that? Mm -hmm. It's not when we just go to bed and then we're dreaming. It's really in the wee hours and it's a short amount of time, but that's when we're the most awake, if that makes any sense. Your, right. your consciousness is in such a state of heightened awareness, like 4 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m. Um I really believe the best way to understand is to have a notebook or anything by where Dream you journal. sleep, Yeah. right? Journal it because what you remember when you wake up and you know you were there, you freaking know you were in a room with your aunt and you're sitting there and you know, as, as, as you and I are sitting here talking today, but that dissipates over 24 hours. 48 hours, and then it becomes, ah, oh, it's just a dream. A lot of people do that, but it was it really? No. The only way sometimes that our loved ones or friends, it doesn't have to just be blood related. Family is family. Do you know what I mean? And especially yeah. nowadays, it's not about blood. Not always. If they're coming to you in your heightened awareness, when it's, you're able to be seen and heard in that dream, they have a short amount of time really to spend with you. You have to realize that. And, and that information that you're receiving where you could swear to all holy hell, whatever you want to pray to, it happened. You were there. You were walking down that road with your grandfather or your mother or your father. You were, you did it. You did. But you have to write it down because they're, they're taking you kind of like, I think we've watched so many films. We think it must be fantasy, but it's not. It's, it's almost like astral projection, if you will. We're, we're out of our bodies when we're sleeping so soundfully when we get to that next REM cycle that why is it so impossible to believe that we're kind of lifting off the physical and we're somewhere hovering and then they come in and say, come, let's go talk. Let's go do this. Because they have a short amount of time before you awake right. and realize you're dreaming. Journal it becomes a little story and it might open up some information and answers of what you seek in your life, which is why sometimes they come back to you in that heightened awareness is to try to help you, but you have to do the work. You have to pay attention to it. Yeah. I've had my uh, grandparents visit me in dreams before. And I know you've talked about uh, your, your father coming back and visit. has he used that method as well? The dream method. I'm going to tell you one thing personal. Okay. One, one I've had too many, um, and, and some other family members that I thought were gone for 10 years that have come back, uh, about eight months ago. And I oh, was well. floored. I said to my husband, Oh my fucking God, they're back. I thought they were gone because sometimes you just go and there's no reason to come back. I believe that, you know, um, he was wearing his raincoat and his signature fedora hat. I think we had a rack of like 10 at one point. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, um, like phone covers for my father you know what i'm saying you have to have 10 phone covers he had 10 fedora hats so um and it he seemed awfully bundled up and warm and we were standing in the middle of what looked like a hotel room and the view was of 
was seems of the ocean, but not like the Atlantic Ocean, warm water. So I would say tropical. And yet he's all dressed up like for winter. And he's standing in the room. I realize he's there. So here comes, now we're dreaming. Now we're, we're in our dream, aware of the dream. That's not a dream. That doesn't fuck with you already. And he's looking at me and we're talking. How are we talking? Mentally. ESP. That's how we're doing it. And he's looking at me and I'm looking out at the water and I said to him, daddy, this is a sign of good things to come. I know that water is symbolic. Um, are you okay? What's going on? Why are you dressed like that? He just looked at me and he laughed and he walked over to the window, looked at, and then he looked back at me and he smiled and he's like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I just looked at him and said, okay, but I have another thing to say. And then he was gone oh. and that was it. That's all I remember. And that's one of too many to count. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds that's like it was it very reassuring. Telling yeah. you that was going to be okay. So that's good. Yeah. Um, little change in case. We've got about 15 minutes left in the show, but you've been doing some other work in research outside the, I mean, I, I say everything's connected anyway, but kind of outside the whole realm of, you know, ghosts and hauntings and, and all that. You want to talk a little bit about that? I do. And here's, here's what I think makes me a lot like dad. I am not afraid to break through the tradition of what is assumed, what our titles are, which we just talked about. Right. Right. right Victoria, we don't want to label anything. No. No. I have always, <laughs> no, she says, no, yeehaw, no. Well, you have to be from Houston, right? You're in the Houston area? Yes. Uh, next time we do this, I'm wearing my cowgirl hat. Oh, I there you go. You. I promise you. Um, here's okay. <laughs> what makes me different, which is important to me, because I do not want to be like anybody else, and I think others should not be like anybody. I think we should all carve out who we are and sometimes people follow and emulate and that's fine but it's not what's for me so for me i need to do what my father did and take it to the next level he was a historical buff he was a, you know it was all about history and information which is why he wrote the book on columbus saying that it was the phoenicians that potentially discovered america well what does that look like what does that mean yeah. Um, the past year, my husband and I have been turned on to giantism and not in the sense of genetic disorder, but giants existing, um, small people I call, you know, hobbits. I think actually right now we're in the generation of being hobbits. I think we're so small right now. We have been looking at, and this is, and you're right, we're all connected. And this is the mm -hmm. path that my father, I telling you i'm telling you he would have continued on because he's come to me and he's already shown it to me there is a lot of destroyed history that are not in the books that we grew up on oh absolutely we have not been told the truth on a lot of subject matter people think the eiffel tower is this pretty iconic metal steel frame thing going up hello look up obelisks and look up where they're all located look up energy devices look up the fact that when we look at um artists and it's going to blow people's minds people don't want to look at da vinci and think that he got it from somewhere else people don't want to look at people that have been written about like tesla and history is it possible perhaps now humor me that this information these energy devices this free energy has already been here and existing prior to and then these guys come in and they get a hold of it and it becomes theirs. And so we're gonna write that into the books and then boom, there it is. Water fountains were sources of underground plumbing and healers. So they were used not just to clean yourself or drink but they were healing um, sanctuaries, if you will. And we had underground plumbing already. I, I just, there's a lot of, there's a big movement towards learning about Tartaria and lost civilizations yeah. that you will not find in published books. There are old world maps that have been put out there by a lot of top researchers, believe it or not. These guys that have put themselves out there, created their YouTube channels. John Levy is one of them. And I can't pronounce the other guy's name. It's Martin Litke, I think it's L-E-D-T-K-E, both um, foreign, fantastic. Um, they really go and they get this information for you and it's not photoshopped it's not falsified there's a lot of maps 
that have included what Tartaria was and the Tartarians. And there's a lot of shows that have come out that actually use Tartaria in their plots, if you will. And um, it, it's just, to me, it's upsetting and frustrating because we have a lot of great structures and they're not just in Europe. You'll find them in Ohio, you'll find them down South where you've got the Roman columns you've got the, the structures that were destroyed to hide our history. And you have to think about that. I mean, why are these things look like they're half melted? Why are they destroyed? And then a lot of these old buildings, you'll have before and after pictures online, Wikipedia, believe it or not, and Google, you'll find them. So you've got these great massive structures and think about this. They're all dated in the 1800s when they were built. What tools did we have back then? Come on now, look at the information, horse and buggy, Let's go back now, folks. If we're going to date this stuff, then we need to know what tools we had to make these massive structures with these intricate details and, and statues that are in 3D standing out in the front. Yeah, and then right. door openings are 20 feet tall. Why do you need a 20-foot opening? Why? And then you find the skeleton remains of giants, you know. And so, you know, what is a giant? We had large people. We also had tree stumps that people, Devil's Tower. Uh, they recently found out that it's a rooted system underneath. Scientists had gone and there's a rooted system. It is a freaking tree stump. It is not a massive rock. This is reality and people, the information's out there. And I said, go to John Levy. It's not conspiracy. And there's going to be people, oh, she's crazy. So, well, so was my father. And they said that about him. So bring it. But yeah, you know, it, I have to say on that. History. Or expand. Go ahead, Victoria. You've been lied to. Be an onion. No. Uh, um, history. If you, if you just look at the word, it's his story. That's all it is. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, it's that's very clever. You, yeah. you know, you just you can't believe everything because you grew up on it and that's what you've been told yeah. to you. And you're gonna yeah. have people that are gonna be stuck on what they want to believe, and that's fine. You'll pass from this world that way, you'll you'll be told and shown. Yeah, something yeah. that's fascinating to me. You mentioned the giants, and I know you, you look back into newspaper articles from the 1800s, and you find these reports of giant remains being on Earth, and all of a sudden these remains disappear, and everybody kind of, you know. Smithsonian. The Smithsonian yeah. got a, uh, they actually, there was an article not that long ago that admitted that they destroyed a lot of the artifacts. There's oh. cover ups, and this is nothing new. It's the same thing in politics. It's the same thing in in history of what you want people to know, what you want them to know. If you if you are a great power and you're in charge of dispersing the information, you control it. You're pulling the puppet strings, and we're we're just kind of all in the middle. They're going okay, okay, but yeah. I mean, think about it. How do you build these massive structures that are phenomenally detailed, almost like created by an amazing artist? I mean, they're so intricately detailed. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. What tools did we have back then? The books tell you what we had back then. Does that sound like something that we could have done back then? It, it, it's just. Well, yeah, you even see like way back in, in ancient history, some of these you know massive blocks that were cut and there's no way that we could move them, you know, even today. No. The, the cuts in the blocks would almost be like laser or diamond cuts, which, you know, supposedly they didn't have the technology back then. Right. So how did now. that, so, so did another yeah, life form coexist with us on this planet with the giants and the hobbits and the fairies and our gigantic trees that are what you would see in Avatar? Oh, that's just a film. Is it really, is the Hobbit just a film? Does Middle Earth really exist? I say it does. Why yeah, not? I, I agree. I mean, we do get little inklings of, you know, like they find the um, smaller hominids that they've, uh, you know, called the hobbits down there in um, what was the island in Indonesia. They found some of the, you know, really small. So you, every once in a while you get like a little snippet, but yeah. they try to keep that so separate from our, you know, it's our a narrative. Yeah. We have grown up in a narrative and generations before, and it breaks my heart. And growing up in Manhattan, there's these great old uh, timey photos where in Manhattan with the buildings. Now, when I would walk the streets, and, and, and not in a bad sense, it sounds like a Hogarth thing. I'm walking <laughs> the streets, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I, you know, my friends would hang out. We have to walk several blocks just to get home at times. We didn't have cab fare. But we have our brownstones that go below our street level. So think about that for a minute. Why would you build a concrete sidewalk when the building still go do goes further down? 
what's further below? Why are we sunken in below street level? It makes no sense. And there's this great photos online um, where they have uh, an ex excavations in Manhattan where you see the rest of the building. You see window, 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 window going all the way down that was already covered and buried. And here's the rest of the building that you get to see. Tunnels yeah, underneath. It's fascinating. Yeah. Brick arches, structures that existed that are all buried and covered, and we're walking on top of it. Yeah. Why? Yeah, you see that in other cities too, and it's just it's everywhere. Mind boggling. Yeah. Um, last question here from uh, Robert Hanna. Last question, at least from the uh, audience, we'll take. Uh, what do you think about the ancient alien theories? Why not? Why not? Why not? Well, I mean, I think we've been duped, guys. I think if this is the year to wake up, and I and not the woke term. I cannot stand that term. I think it's it's Hollywoodish. I don't know. Don't shoot the messenger, but wake up. I believe that there's a lot to that, and I think you know, use your minds, put it together, do your research, take your time. There's a lot of great YouTubers out there that have done the work and are showing it and are, are displaying it and talking about it. You know, ancient aliens. I mean, really, you know, think about it. I think a lot of species are living two, 300 years old. I think we once had the capability of living up to two, 300 years old. I do believe that. And I don't think it's because we were gods. I think that we have been dumbing down. I think a lot of, you know, we have the orphan trains. That's another thing for people to look up. Where, why are all these children without parents? All of a sudden, these orphan trains arrive, and these these people are taking these children in to have children. Where did the parents go? Why are there so many orphans? This is like over a hundred plus years ago. What happened? We had a we had a reset. Every so often, there's a reset, and that's I think a power play and a control thing. And mm -hmm. ancient aliens, it's like you know all these different life forms and species. We should have extended life. We should be able to live longer, and we shouldn't be having cancer. We should, we have cures for that, diabetes, all of it. It it makes money to keep us sick and keep us down, and to make us pay taxes in that sense, and to have a water bill and to pay for air and heat. We have free energy. We we've, we've had it. I, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's all it's, about the money. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, I agree it's a money. It's, it's power and control and money. And this has been nothing new. And I just, you know, that's why I tell people go to go look at the John Levy L-E-V-I L-E-V-I YouTube channel. There's nothing in it for me. The guy doesn't even know I exist. He probably thinks <laughs> I'd be a cool nut, but no, he's got some great. He's got great videos. Oh, so you're he familiar really with does, And okay, I think good. he was a former government I, person. That's what I do. <laughs> I told you how long have I been telling you I have a giant theory. I just haven't got it all worked out yet. But yeah, it goes back to the ancient Greeks. Why were their temples so big? Yeah. And it's everywhere. But the thing is, we, and we say Greek revival, this and that. Actually, you know, if you go, there's places actually, Mike, where you are in Ohio, there was um, some footage of some obelisks that were just in the middle of nowhere, yeah. just standing there still. Oh, there's all kinds of stuff out here in Ohio, the old, the, the ancient yeah. mounds and uh, the old earthworks and all that. So much of it was dug up and just, you know, tilled into um, the farmland, but there's still some of it out there. Yeah. So. You got to question that, guys, and it's yeah. the same thing in the paranormal. This is no different. You need to expand your minds, and when you go into an environment, if you're going to do an investigation or you're researching or you're curious, keep in mind – this is a lot of old things around you that you can't see that have been there before you were. And so there's a respect factor there. It's not just about somebody that might've died in, in the building or something. Sometimes mm -hmm. there's other energies that might be there. And that's why I'm saying this work is not as quick to, to go and decipher at times, you know, there's, there could be other elements, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. And that takes us really to about the end of our show, <laughs> but uh, Alex, you know, real quickly, you know, where can everybody, uh, you know, find you, your work? Of course, Holzer Files coming up here in two days. Yep. Um, they can go to alexandraholzer.com, and I have a new book that will be coming out, I think, either December or January. Um, I've already had it edited, and my daughter actually did the artwork. She's an oh, amazing great. artist like my mother, so we're keeping that in the family like my mother did for my father at times. So I'll let you know when that that's ready to go. But um, what's in the new book yeah. topic? It's a, it's an action adventure supernatural book. I oh, am not going to do a ghost book. I just everybody else and their mother's done one. They're not going to want to hear from me. They don't really give a shit. So why they, even go they there? They can always pick up this. <laughs> oh. 
whatever <laughs> they can. You flatter me. Thank you. <laughs> of course. So, all right, my friend, thank you so much for coming back on the show. We always love having you, and we'll have to have you back again soon. Absolutely. Love you guys. Thank you, Mike. Always. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Good night.